0: Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads, A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 195, Arya in a Game of Thrones 3. I am one of your hosts, Chloe.
1: And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana and Arya. ready for another iconic chapter. This is an iconic one. <sighs> Actually, yeah, it is.
0: It's so iconic that it was made... Into a TV show? No, I'm just kidding. The TV show is what adapted this. Yeah, yeah but, it's the other way around. It's- you know, my God. Uh, <laughs> sorry to forget the lore here at Girls Gone Canon. This is a killer chapter, and
1: not quite yet. There are a lot. Huh? There are actual. Oh, there are chapters. a lot of
0: a lot of things in this chapter that, like, when you read them. Some of it are seeds that didn't grow quite the way George wanted to, or some of it are laying seeds that he didn't know where he wanted to grow it. But there's so much Mm. laid in this chapter for the rest of the story that I think is really cool, really great, really solid chapter. I'm excited to chat about it with you, but before we can jump into that, we of course have some stuff to talk about up top.
1: Yeah, so as you all know, we have a Patreon, and last month's Patreon episode was about another iconic chapter, The Forsaken, and this month, July, we are going to talk about road trips and slash or travelogues, but road trip.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about that because we're going to really dive into road trips, not just taking a road trip, but also like as a concept, as a storytelling device talk about some of our favorite TV movies, and, of course, talk about it in the Song of Ice and Fire world a little bit. We have quite a few travelogues that are characters in this series, I would say. Uh, Whether it's Arya herself, she goes on quite a journey that we are just starting to embark on, or Quentin, right, who we've covered, or Samwell in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, here's one. Was thinking about this one tonight, Eliana, so let me know what you think on this. Uh, Duncan Egg. Duncan Egg is an ultimate travelogue. That's a road trip and a half. Mm. Every single book for Duncan Egg so far has had a little road trip where they have to go somewhere, and you kind of see them go to the tourney, uh, each tourney really.
1: I have to think about that. I, I we can discuss. I'm not sure if I agree, but that's what the episode is for. <sighs> and if you <laughs> want to Chloe see gross. here,
0: whatever all I can right now I have first of all not only am I annoyed with you but second of all I have July July stuck in my head by the Decemberists right now Mm -hmm. because you said July so not only am I fighting you I'm fighting my brain wow um I'm like singing it in my head right now while I look at you but yeah we'll argue about all that in our patreon (laughs) episode and
1: that's in the
0: stranger tier and above get those episodes that's the five dollar tier and up uh, you'll get a new bonus episode each month. Sometimes it's a Song of Ice and Fire theme. Sometimes it's maybe a little more loosely themed like this one. Sometimes it's on a different piece of media altogether or one of George's novellas or novelettes. So uh, you can look forward to that over at patreon.com slash canon. That's C-A-N-O-N. Not like the thing you shoot babies out of. What? But Canon, lore, history.
1: I thought that was a trebuchet. It can be both.
0: <laughs> it can be. Both. You could do it with either, is what I'm trying to. I tell don't know. You. That's what.
1: Uh, that's what I learned in the Jamie chapters. Um. <sighs> so another thing that you can find on our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/GirlsGoingCanon is access to our Discord, where once a month we have a brunch slash happy hour, brappy hour, and <laughs> we've. Got the dates. You've got the dates set for August and September. Look at us.
0: Yeah, this is Gross. a big step for us. We're early. <laughs> yeah, there's character growth to be had on this podcast. So, August brunch for those patrons in the Thunder tier and above that are over at the Discord that's a $10 and up tier. That's going to be on Sunday, August 27th from 3 p.m. probably till about 5 p.m. Eastern Time ET. Eliana time. And then, of course, September. Here we are. Drum roll, please. Saturday, September 23rd, we'll be joining up at 3 p.m. ET once more to chit chat with everyone, hang out, find out what everyone's watching and up to and playing. Lots of great Zelda talk. Eliana found her Switch. Everyone rejoice. Ooh, rejoice. Rejoice. Yeah, so. Lots of good Zelda talk at this t- this last week's brunch that we just had.
1: Yeah, we kind of took it over briefly. Sorry everyone. Um
0: it was good. I played it a little this week and um there are some elements of Zelda I love and then some that I fucking hate. Yeah. So I appreciated your chatter on it because I was priming myself to be ready to play.
1: I'm just glad it was not the inflation was not in my head. Zelda inflation is real. <laughs> no, it's real.
0: so crazy. <laughs> Zelda inflation is so real. Video game inflation in general is yeah. wild. Yeah. Like, what am I getting for this? Nothing. <laughs> Fucking give me nothing.
1: Uh, satisfaction?
0: Dopamine? Whatever. YOLO. I mean, and I don't want to go on a tangent, so I will just say Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's going to be a so, it's so beautiful, right? The first part is gorgeous, but That's it's right. going to be like five to six parts, and it's going to be like $60. Each
1: time they release fucking ones, So you have to pay 60 bucks five times to play the whole oh, fucking game. Wait, what? I didn't know they were doing yeah. that. I just meant within the Zelda game. Like, my the clothes cost more. But, like, I didn't know they were doing that with Final Fantasy Seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah, welcome to the future. Welcome to uh, fucking video games, man. Dang. That sucks. Grind harder. Pay more money up front so you get better tokens,
1: though, you know? I mean, you could always pay for better, Eliana. I'm uh, sure. I yes. Well, back to this main story. Let's talk about some thoughts that we said we were going to cover about the Aria chapters. Last week we were just busy, but a lot of people were so glad. Everyone's really excited about the Aria chapters. Yeah, thank you for your emails. I know Eliana was thrilled.
0: I was thrilled too, but Eliana, I saw it in the little cockles of her heart. She was pumped, dude. She loves a good email. and. Every time one rolled in, it's like I felt her happiness too. So yeah. thanks for sending us emails. We're not going to get to all of them today. Keep sending them in, though. I mean, we have so many chapters ahead and we love hearing your insights. And you can send those in at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Send us an email. You can comment on the episode over at Podbean. Uh, you can tweet at us or skeet, which is the preferred Ooh. term for blue sky at girls right. gone Canon on Twitter or Blue Sky.
1: Yeah. Did you say Twitter? Did you mean X? X.com? Yeah, we're at X. X marks the fucking spot. X. Mate.
0: <sighs> for the historians that listen to our podcast, these are the times we're in right now. Yeah. X on Twitter. Yeah. So, first email up is from our good friend, Lo. You might know Lo from way back when, when we covered a character named Brienne. Uh, Lo came on for that. Low emailed us about Arya and gender, specifically on some of the conversation we had on shadows and water being kind of fluidity for Arya as something that she exists within, uh, and some of the stuff that Eliana spoke about right with water at the end of last week's episode. But Lowe cites trans theorist Susan Stryker and classic feminist psychoanalyst Julia Kristeva, as well as Astrida Nemanis, who makes the case for human bodies to be seen as bodies of water. And argues this helps us question assumptions that Western philosophies often make about humans and the world we live in. Lowe quoted some of this work by Estrita and said, In the first place, bodies of water trouble the idea of bodies and discreate coherent individual subjects. As bodies of water, we leak and seethe. Our borders are always vulnerable to rupture and renegation. As we know, our human bodies are in constant process of intake, transformation, and exchange. Watery bodies are neither autonomous nor autopoietic. They require another body that in turn
1: requires another body to bathe them into being. There's a lot in this quote, and I think it's really it really speaks to what's going on with Arya and the malleability of like not only her identity, but also her gender. But I do want to call out this fun line in here of other lives that they will become as they relinquish their own. Human bodies ingest lake bodies. Lake bodies are replenished by rain bodies. Rain bodies inhale ocean bodies. Ocean bodies slake fish bodies, and fish bodies feed whale bodies. Um I just wanted to talk about fish bodies and whale bodies.
0: I love it though, because it implies that chain, right? The yes. food chain. The food chain from underground. Yeah, this is such great stuff. Thank you so much, Lo. It was great because Lo opened the email and was like, they're like, I'm here to say stuff about gender and Aria, and we're kind of joking about it. And it was a very pleasant email to receive, though. Yeah. So and- I hope I hope Lo expands on this in an essay. I think it could happen for Ooh, us.
1: yeah. I think that'd be really cool, especially... I think there's a lot of fluidity in the water dancing stuff. has also sent us some other thoughts as well uh, not just this email about Arya and receiving the the assignment right? Like whether or not Arya wants to do the assignment of femininity and I think that's something that will obviously get explored more and more in this story especially as we near the end of Agat and go into Akak oh yeah, there's a lot of shit
0: happening at the end of Agat too so. it us start here I guess, but whatever yeah that makes sense, that makes sense and our friend Warren sent us another email. Yes, of course. The Warren, the famous Arya Famous, rather. Oh my God, the Arya Warren said, and actually, he sent a couple of things in this email, and I'm just pulling out one of the things I really loved the most, which was he said, uh, "Last chapter, Ned was a great father. He was understanding. He was listening. He gave wisdom, and he did. He did the work. Right. He put in the work of being a girl dad." last chapter. That's my words, not Warren's. Uh, But this chapter, he was very dismissive of Arya, and he found that really interesting. And we'll talk about this later. Like, There's definitely something here going on in these next few chapters for Arya and Sansa in general. So we'll talk about this. We'll we'll come back to this. Thanks, Warren.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really great observation that I don't think I noticed until Warren called it out. So thank you very much. And also, fun fact, I did find a place called Aryaholic. Did not go. Like I think it was a salon or something in the Philippines, so. Oh. I sent the photo in Slack once. We also got another email from Teresa who said specifically appreciated the Ned Thirst. Yes, we did discuss quite a bit Ned's thighs last episode. And points out that especially since John is supposed to be pretty, Ned must be too. And like, even if Ned isn't, like, I know his body's good. Um, also, <laughs> the thighs yeah, and the calves. Yeah, I know he's ripped. Right. He fought a war (laughs) Um, and is still... (laughs) Hey, in
0: the words of Teresa, Teresa said Chloe talked about it, but not for enough.
1: Yeah. Is basically what she implied. Teresa did say, like, basically say that. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, he's still training because, like, he could be pulled into war at any time, like, in the next few chapters, except he dies before it happens. Um, Anyway... Mm -hmm. There's that one artwork of Ned where they make him look a little like Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, I think it's in the, they have it on the oh. wiki. Do you, do, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yes. You know the one? I know, you know what the, you're
0: speaking of. I'm thinking of it. He, Thank you. He does Thank look you. like him,
1: right? Even though Jake Gyllenhaal is ruined for me after that Taylor Swift song. But um. <laughs> anyways, Teresa also is sad about these being Arya's last like, quote, safe and happy Chapters, and mentioned that she thought that Arya had lost her appetite about the ribs because Jane had told her that Micah's dad thought that he was a pig initially when um, Micah's body was handed over to him. And I do think that's true. I agree, Teresa, and I did think about that during the chapter, but I was more sad that the ribs were not eaten because those are my priorities. And I would even stake a further claim and say- (laughs)
0: Uh, medium rare please I would stake a further claim and say that's just heresy we don't know how true it is that that happened that's just talk
1: you mean that it looked like a pig handed over to him Mm -hmm. and that he was given that way to him that's all just gossip I think that's true but I think it like as Teresa said this might be what Arya was thinking about oh no I think that's true but I'm just saying that is gossip no one knows the truth of what happened yeah that is true except for Two people, one of whom may or may not be dead. It sounds like gossip to me, so thank you, Teresa, for the email. <laughs> I did think I did think it was suspicious though, like that we do get it as hearsay. Anyway. Last one is poor Chloe specifically. Poor Chloe. Poor Chloe. No, this is not poor Chloe. This is uh in support My in defense username. of Chloe. Do you think I could get away with that? Poor Chloe? Ooh, April 1st, look out for me. <laughs> poor Chloe, poor Clo- Clonton. I don't know. God. <laughs> <laughs> Move over. <sighs> <sighs> She's coming for you. So we got a, uh, as you all know, very exciting, rare, but not that rare, but rare enough moment, Podbean comment. It was very exciting, but it's, remember, this is, again, in support of Chloe, our friend Hall, like one that you walk down, um, says, please don't stop doing voices. The characters aren't real. They won't be offended. So, Chloe, you just have to keep doing voices. Thanks to Hall.
0: Christmas has been saved.
1: <laughs> Christmas has been saved. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Hall, for your comment. No, I appreciate it. And, and it's all in good fun, folks. It's all in good fun, but I'm not going to stop doing those voices. Like, I do need you all to know... We are on, what, of our Song of Ice and Fire public episodes. We are on episode 195. I don't think it's going to stop. Mm-hmm. I-, I just think at this time, if you're still listening out there, it's
1: an acquired taste, so you better acquire it. I think I'm not only is it not going to stop, I think we have to double down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see about that. Before we
0: start anteing up, doubling down, whatever <laughs> verb Eliana's gonna throw out there today, let's hop into our lightning round because you've been waiting long enough and it's time to jump into Aria 3. But before we do that, let's pop it off with Bran 4. Tyrion Lannister is received at Winterfell.
1: Eddard 5, Ned's investigation into Jon Arryn's death gets deeper. John 4. John defends Samwell Tarly. Edward six Ned deals with issues surrounding his journey. He heads to a brothel for a release. Just kidding. There's no release from his depression. Who <laughs> <Chloe> wrote this? <laughs> I just delivered it. Yeah.
0: Catelyn five Catelyn takes Tyrion captive for his many many crimes. At the end of the crossroads, <laughs> he's been a very busy man.
1: Sansa two. The tourney is magical.
0: Until it isn't. Atard 7. The tourney is magical. Until it isn't.
1: Septimordain 1. The tourney is magical. Until it isn't. When she passes out. Until the hangover. She's just passed out. She's like, oh god, I shouldn't have had red wine. The sugar. For real, though. The sugar does get you. I know. That's why I can't do it anymore. It Mm, sucks. mm, mm. Well... Let's talk about Arya three in a Game of Thrones. Arya overhears a conversation that perhaps she shouldn't have. Perhaps, mayhaps. Mayhaps. Arya chases a one eared black
0: tomcat down the alley, telling herself quiet as a shadow, light as a feather. She's covered in scabs and scratches, having been at it day and night, it being chasing cats. She'd run to Sirio with her hands bleeding, but he merely would tell her be quicker that her enemies would give her more scratches. I love that. He uh, he keeps putting mirish fire on her wound to heal it and sends her back out to keep doing it. And it reminds me a little bit of On the Road when we hear that she had covered herself in mud after getting bit up, mm. right? And she had brought those flowers from the bog to Ned. Purple and green flowers. Wonder what it means from a bog. Can't tell you. But the truth is out there. But yeah, so she already liked to get rid of the itches and the bites she had put mud on. So it reminds Hmm. me of that. And we don't really hear much about Mirish Fire. I don't know if it was something that, like, because it's so exotic, George just doesn't remember to bring it up or doesn't bring it up that often or expected to use it more. But it doesn't come back often. It's an ointment. It comes up in Sam 3, A Storm of Swords, Hmm. with some other herbs that could be used as poisons, which I think is some Liza foreshadowing, right? Uh, as well as maybe later Joffrey poisoning foreshadowing. But there's also Mirish fire wine. So the Mearish love their fucking fire, which it might not be related, but perhaps it uses similar spices to brew or something. Who knows? Who knows? I think of it as like, you know, you have some of that healing, similar qualities and some of those herbs that also probably provide a very strong flavor.
1: Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was like Mirish fire is like just a really strong alcohol for killing things. But then I'm like, hmm. I like the idea of it being like a neosporin esque thing, though. Yeah. And
0: like containing a certain type of spices that you could see used, like a sachet used across if different things, too.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, in our real world, like lavender. Yeah. In our real world, there's like a lot of drinks that, I don't know, sound a little similar to maybe a medicine. Mm -hmm. So, like tonic water or Mm -hmm. penicillin, the tiki drink, right? Mm, And that is also a medicine. Penicillin. Yeah. Shots, shots. 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 Yeah. Okay, I had a question for you. Um, How do you feel about this chapter going in a different direction than the original source material of the TV show, right? In the TV show, oh they make the rep- repetitive thing. In Arya's storyline is like, not today, right? What do we see to the god of death? Not today. Whereas in Arya's, in the books, there's like all these different little mantras. And then fear cuts deeper in swords is actually the one that I think is... That she repeats and draws strength from. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, that is some pretty bullshit erasure from the book. No, I'm just kidding. Um I get it's simpler for sure. I do sure. find that interesting though. It is simple. And it worked, right? It uh Yeah,
1: people love it.
0: It worked very well. And let's be real, Miltos and Maisie did such good work on the show that of course it fucking worked. Of course. That's good point. When she looks at him with those eyes, next chapter slash in the episode it happens. You know, she's about to cave and just die with him because she's just scared. And he looks at her and he's like, now, what do we say? And she says it back and he's like, good, go. And the way they look at one another is just, it's some supreme acting. It's one of those, you know, the show used to be so good in season one. I don't That's know so what true. happened after season two, episode nine, but yeah. until series. Anyways, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going there. But yeah, it, it, uh, it it's emotional. It's very sad and beautiful. I think both have their place. I mm. think that TV's role is to simplify mm. something more complex and still deliver an emotion in a lot of ways when it comes to adaptations, right? Some shows can hit that, and I do think that it's it's on par. I'd say it's on par. However, I love her mantras. They're very internal. It's not something she says all the time out loud. Yeah. So that makes it harder.
1: I think you're right about it being simpler, but therefore like very impactful, because I don't think – they're fun, right? Like all these different mantras that she learns and those tenants and stuff, but they don't hit the same. Mm-hmm. But I do now wonder if, like, the fear cuts deeper than swords. Like, is that like George's, like, oh, this is my fear is a mind killer moment or something? And, like, yeah. you know, come, if it'll come back. It, it, like, what is a mantra? Is That's a great point. That is it. Yeah. But other than that, like, it, yeah. Even, even so, fear cuts deeper than swords. Cute. But you're right. Maybe not as, like, not today was very yeah it was so successful
0: something you could quote immediately from you know and everyone knows it from the longer phrase yeah Mm -hmm. i mean hell i had to remember it's not book material for a minute i'm like oh that's right it's not because it it does fit well Mm -hmm. they did good on that
1: they did and as you said like brilliant performances from that source material
0: that sells it for me that really does sell it
1: yeah good emotions so this is one of my favorite bits The Red Keep was full
0: of cats, lazy old cats (laughs) dozing in the sun, cold-eyed mousers twitching their tails, quick little kittens with claws like needles. Wait a second, wait a second, quick kittens with claws like needles. Ladies' cats all combed and trusting, ragged shadows prowling the midden heaps. I'm moving to the Red Keep, everyone. That's what I want you to know that I've decided as of today I'm moving to the Red Keep where all of the cats lay and play. I love it there. Go cats.
1: Uh, I love that they call out mousers too, specifically. Um, some of my favorite mousers, my partner's like family, has a mouser, a manx cat. No tail, actually. They don't have tails. Very cute. I thought that this... Was a fun description of like how cats are in every part of like the society, I guess, of of the Red Keep. And you can find them anywhere from like, you know, out on the streets or in the shadows or in places of nobility. And that's just like Arya, who can be anywhere.
0: Yeah, and she learns to blend like that, too.
1: Exactly. It'll be interesting when she has to blend being part of nobility again. Mm, a cat of any coat. Oh. Interesting. Claws? Cats?
0: I don't know. Just interesting, interesting. interesting. Who are
1: you, the proud lord said.
0: I mean, that is what Marcella and Tom would say soon.
1: That is true. They're like, who are you? (laughs) Hoomst. Hoomst? So one by one, Arya brought proudly back to Sirio, each cat, except for this one. The one-eared black devil of a tomcat. He's the real king of the castle. One of the gold cloaks said he's older than Sin and twice as mean. The gold cloak had told her a story that the king had been feasting Lord Tywin and the black bastard hopped up and snatched a roast quail out of Tywin's fingers. See, that's how you do it. You gotta eat the roast quail. The gold cloak warned her to stay away from him, but still, she persisted. Yet, she persisted.
0: That is what I had in my I head, know, yes. I know, I uh, know. Tale as old as time, most sane mm. fans, including me, in my opinion, believe that Balerion the Black dread the cat.
1: Not the dragon.
0: Not the dragon, the cat. That's who this is. This is as cat. Yes. Right? That's what most do. And I do believe that. I think there's no fucking reason Same. for him to point it out otherwise. Let's be fucking real. Same. Uh, but- we later hear that he clawed Joffrey's hand, and that he constantly haunts Tommen at night until he gets the kittens from Marjorie, and like the kittens kind of scare Beleri in away. I think that's incredible. I think it's going to add to something I'm going to say later, maybe too, but not to take it sad and serious. But you know how like maybe at this time, warging and skin changing and dragon dreams weren't necessarily developed and weren't necessarily something in the first book that we had like a guide to. But we're starting to get more and more, maybe gardened, information about dragon dreams and dreamers and dragon riders and the bond that you share with your dragon. I personally feel that the bond you share with your dragon, or if you have dragon dreams, means that you are susceptible to a bond like that probably too. And possibly makes you able to skin change into your dragon or become one with your dragon, etc, etc. You know, in ways not unlike how the Starks become able to kind of become one with their wolf. Now, with that said, do you think when Rainey's died she skin changed into her kitten? Because I know that's silly, and by a Game of Thrones standards, the answer's no. But by the recently gardened, like George is adding lore, he's expanding his Targaryen world, he gets time built into this, I don't think it's that far-fetched. And it's really sad. Like, no wonder that cat is so mean to everyone. Like, she dies at four. She's stunted. Inside this motherfucking cat. Like, she's just the cat now. I could
1: see it being a thing. So at first, I definitely made a facial expression because I thought you said the bong you share with your dragon. And I was like, interesting, oh. interesting. And then I realized, well, yeah, the dragon saying- torches it. You don't need a lighter if you. <laughs> Have a dragon. Yeah, exactly. You've seen those
0: episodes of Pokemon, okay?
1: Absolutely. So at first, I thought that's what you said. I was like, what an interesting way for Chloe to phrase that. Um, (laughs) And then I realized later on, you said bond, which makes a lot more sense. And also, initially, I was like, I don't know about this. I was like, is she joking? Like, the Ned working into a pigeon. But then, as you said, with some of the information we're getting in these stories, and also with, like, House of the Dragon Stuff and mm-hmm. what it's taking from the lore that George is gardening and writing, and how we see, you know, Arya does skin change into cats and second life stuff. I don't, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's. Possible. I don't think it's that far fetched. Yeah, yeah. Far-fetched like it is used to a be a joke, Pokemon, and now I, but
0: yeah, now I, S- I <laughs> <speaking of> Pokemon. <laughs> Leave me in my league alone. Um, no, like now I actually think like maybe. Especially with what we learn, like, that, you know, she jumps up, I mean, Valyrian jumps on the table and takes the fucking quail out of his mouth.
1: Like, Yeah, she's got fancy taste. She was a royal. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Also, um, I think there'll be something fun about that, then, like, the connection with Arya. There's some mm-hmm. fun language here, too, when they're talking about Valyrian, the Black Dread slash cat, and, of course, being named after a dragon, and, you know... So they call this tomcat the real king of this castle. And then, you know, the story about Tywin. And specifically, they call him a black bastard, this cat. And I was like, very interesting. This language about kings of this specific castle and black bastards reminds me of someone that, you know, Arya probably knows very well. Who might just be a contender for king of this castle. Who's a black yeah. bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Also, my final thing I'd like to add is that it does remind me of Succession in season three—no, two, season two—when Tom walks by Logan sitting there eating chicken, and he picks the chicken up off his plate and eats it, and stares straight in his eyes, and like says thank you, and walks away, asserting his dominance over Logan Roy. and the Black Dread could also be Tom Wambsgans, is what I'm trying to tell you. Wow. The HBO Cinematic Universe, wow. Well.
1: Tomcat Womscans.
0: Exact. thank you. Thank you. I don't think it's like a true theory. Not the Tom Womscan. No, like, that's not a true theory. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think like the Rainy's thing, like we'll never learn whether it is or not, so it doesn't matter, but that makes me love it that much more. So I don't know
1: that like we may, we may not. But like, what if Arya tries to skin change the cat and it's like, oh, someone else is in here, right? Because you can sense that.
0: What if the battle at King's Landing comes down to Arya skin changing Valyrian the Black Dread Cat?
1: I do think like Arya is probably going to skin change some of these cats around here, right? And I haven't thought that mm-hmm. until this very moment, but now I do strongly feel it. <laughs> it's just a way to look. I, I just you to use your eyes. Jumped all in just now. <laughs>
0: Now that suddenly makes me not want to believe anymore. Oh, so sorry. thanks. I'm gonna be- No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just Top kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here I am. I'm a Scorpion, not a Scorpio. Oh my- There's a difference. <laughs> a big difference. Holy shit. One's meaner than the other, you can decide which. So Arya runs around the castle, up, down, left, right, B-A-B-A. I mean around, over and over, and finally she has him. High walls press close, a massive stone ahead, and she slides around, light as a feather, and hugs the cat to her Aww. chest. His claws rake her chest, and she kisses his head. He yowls and spits at her, and someone shouts, What's he doing to that cat?
1: Ugh. Has that, no one ever kissed a cat before? Um, also, I do it all the time. Arya just time. grabbing, finally catching this cat, then kissing it. Uh, very big, Usagi kissing Luna. The first time she ever finds her vibes, uh, except Arya evades getting her face scratched,
0: and thus she doesn't get those anime big blush marks on her face in the in the process. True, thank God. true.
1: And this Bolerian does not have a crescent moon shaped bald spot. Definitely not.
0: Definitely not. Still royalty though. And yeah, true. I I also want to say, uh, especially with all the things we've been pointing out already that remind us of it, she kisses the cat in the head, which reminds you the kindly man again.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. This is a good time to remind everyone Sailor Moon is coming back August our Sailor Moon episode. <laughs> yes. But then Next we're doing month? every other month, probably. Yeah. We got
0: some time. We got a little time on our
1: hands yeah. thanks to
0: the release of that, Sailor Moon. Yeah, it
1: turns out we thought we knew the date and we fucking did it. Right. <laughs> hmm. mm. So
0: startled, Arya turns back towards the voice. At the end of the alley is Mercella, pretty as a doll, with Prince Tommen next to her plump, wearing the prancing stag in pearls on his doublet. They're accompanied by a septa and two large Lannister guards.
1: Sorry, I got a quick fashion hour here. Um, Very brief. Fashion minute. Okay, Tommen's drip. I love this idea of the prancing stag in pearls, like, or embroidered as pearls. That's it.
0: Mm-hmm. Very proud, very beautiful, mm-hmm. very fancy. Yeah. And Tommen and Marcella don't recognize Arya. They call her a dirty, ragged boy. Um, they're like, who's this dirty, ragged boy? Which, like, to be fair, this is you know nobility. This is what they know. This is what's put into them from birth. So Arya drops to one knee and lowers her head and tries to hide because she's like, if they find out who I am, Sansa and Ned would be ashamed.
1: It's really interesting that she thinks of her family in that moment and what they would think. But, um, the fact that they don't really see that it's Arya, right? And Arya's story is later on. She's being taught to really look, really see things. Um, speaks to mm-hmm. speaks to uh how glamours work, right? People see what they expect to see, and what Tommen and Marcella saw was dirt. They saw the signifiers of what they as- didn't assume people that they knew would wear and. Um, Let those expectations fill in uh, the identity of this person.
0: It's such a great line from here to Yorin when she meets Yorin, right? (laughs) And then that Yorin, when he sees her at the beheading and takes her and tries to protect her. Like, it's such a great line to that of him being able to say, boy, boy, like, listen, boy, and really impose it to try to help her. And yeah, with with that the glamour and everything like this is just a a great step to her losing her identity already. And it also brings back that memory later on when she's going towards the twins with Sandor and she thinks, you know, will my mom even want me anymore? She's always been worried. And it starts here in King's Landing for sure. At home, it started really obviously with the treatment of John as a bastard and how that affected her too. But then here in King's Landing, it's been made worse by Sansa and her dad. And her not being able to fit into those perfect little holes, those you know, like when you got the cube, the star, the circle, and she just doesn't fit into them.
1: So, sorry, I you just you know kids' toys. Yeah, I just remembered. You remember that video of the woman, <laughs> and then she's like, "Yeah, yeah, you put the, you put the rectangle, yeah. the rectangle, and they all it's just very go calming into the same, though." And they just all go into the one same hole, and she's like, "That's mm-hmm. not the right hole," and she's like, "So disturbed." My okay. Anyway, yes. Uh, memes. Yeah. Great point, though. Good points, good points. Yeah, um, but but absolutely. She's she's struggling here. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how sh- it'll go later on. Interesting. So when asked what she's doing, Arya panics because she's unable to speak. She's like, if I talk, they are going to know my voice. And as the guard and scepter reach for her, she runs quick as a snake, swift as a deer. She bowls into Prince Tommen, saying, oof. She hops over him and off she fucks. Chloe wrote these, (laughs) leaping up to climb into a window. All right, I'm sorry. She pulls herself up. Like Arya has insane upper body strength, but also like you know she's got less weight to pull up because she's a child. But still, insane upper body strength. Um, Mm -hmm. Wiggling in and surprising a washerwoman, swift as a deer, quiet as a shadow. She runs deeper, hearing only her heartbeat and a drip of water. Huh? There's that water. Again.
0: She has this moment where she remembers these dreams she's had, and she thinks her father told her the Red Keep was smaller than Winterfell, but in her dreams it's an immense stone maze. It's shifting, it's changing. Sometimes she dreams and hears her father's voice, but it's always a long way off, growing fainter as she ran toward it, leaving her alone in the dark. Arya is getting some classic. Grade A Stark 101 crypt dreams. Yeah. Oh my god. And I don't know that I noticed this. It slipped in very subtly. There's a couple things in this chapter that are real, real softly put in there that I'm like, that's kind of a huge thing. Like later when part of the tunnel crumbles, like I'm like, George, that's a huge thing that you just wrote in two sentences. So let's come back to that. But same thing here. Like this is like a huge crypt dream, and I feel like Sansa and Arya don't necessarily usually get. Crypt Dream uh, pages, you know, like John, Bran, Theon even gets them. But everybody, I mean, I think there's a big symbolism behind them, right? Of like them being that crumbling pressure being put on them from Winterfell in some ways, too. Yeah. Um, but also the pressure of Ned's legacy, Ned Catalan's legacy, right? That's a lot to stomach and take on. But man, and the ghosts of Winterfell, true, I true. guess, are another part of it. This is a, uh, I-, I really didn't notice this dream. Until this read-through, I think.
1: I don't think I would have noticed it if you had it called it out as well. Yes, that's absolutely, definitely feels like that. that's what that is. And it is really interesting. Because I guess, yeah, it's not proximity-based, you know.
0: What's down yeah, there? Yeah, because Theon gets them too.
1: Also, so. especially because, like, what? Arya's said to look like Lyanna. And, you know, back mm-hmm. then George was playing around with a more, like... Shinji Ray thing for John and Arya mm. before could
0: their dreams have been connected yes yeah
1: i don't know um but i, oh. I think he's veered he's veered away from that so
0: the shippers want to know, Eliana, there, as an Arya John shipper yourself. No,
1: there are no Arya. I don't think there are any Arya John shippers. Are there? I'm so glad that you're standing for the Arya John. No, I I say there are no community. Arya John shippers? I am including
0: myself as if Aryan. Aryan, because he's Targaryen, so it's like Aryan, but it's Aryan.
1: She hates me. <laughs> jaria chloe why are you doing this arian but like with the daria there's arian and there's arian 69 the only arian i care about we love jaria oh my god i don't think it it, it i think we're the only jaria podcast we're We're the only jaria podcast jaria we're not a Jarya podcast. Uh, Eliana,
0: if this is what you want, then I <laughs> want to support God. you. And I want everyone to know that you loving John and Aria so much is what I want to happen for you. Like, I really support you. And I think everyone should, don't try to hide it. You should be proud. You should be proud of
1: Jarya. You know what? Maybe, maybe uh. I should just pretend that's what I'm about because 93George was about it. <laughs> I'm an OG. He's probably going to go back to it
0: at this point, so. Dude,
1: he better fucking, I don't think he will. I think he's, oh. he's pretty committed to not.
0: <gasps> That's why he's taking so long. He had to rewrite everything so is canon again. Anyways, she realizes as she continues to try to hide that it's dark. It's getting darker. And she hugs her knees to herself and she thinks, okay, I'll th- count to 10,000. By then it'll be safe to come out. By the time she reaches 87, the room lightens a bit, and she can kind of see shapes around her. Jagged shadows of long teeth. She pretends Sirio is there, whispering in the ear, whispering in her ear and saying, Be calm as still water, strong as a bear, fierce as a wolverine. The monsters are still there when she opens her eyes, though, and she makes herself look at it, and she realizes it's a skull. A legacy, if you will.
1: Whoa, legacy. Whoa. Legacy. The only words I know. Stagger ring. (laughs) So I'm wondering if we'll see these skills of her like seeing the dark a little better come back for her during the long night. Maybe we'll even get a call back with some of the language to this exact scene of her counting to you know to ten thousand or lord knows what. And then, you know, the monsters being there, but the fear gone, and she goes to face the others, or maybe it's something else, right? Like, she does this, and turns out, you know, the monsters turn out to be people, right? Like, we find out throughout the story that turns out the knights are the monsters, and by knights, I mean with the letter K. The knights are the monsters, and the fear lingers. Maybe she starts worrying more about her loved ones, as opposed to, like, her own safety in that, um, and, and thinking about the political aspect, if her story ever starts to encompass that more
0: no i love that because sandor
1: yes who's not a knight that's yeah
0: that's in everything you just said and that kind of like the monsters could be humans too which is scarier than anything else in the real world
1: scarier than the others which are uh they're kind of human but not they're pretty scary though
0: yeah i mean they were Mm -hmm. they feel things i guess they laugh. Oh, that's not, This isn't the conversation to have right now. Yeah, sorry, everyone. Listen, I don't need to talk about others and their rights. That's um, for
1: another time. <laughs> Chloe's done with this All podcast. Right. We're not even halfway through. I just want to block number
0: one Jaria fan. Can I oh block my god, it? that's not me. That's your
1: username, right? It's not.
0: All the same, something in the cavern feels very wrong and she whirls around and feels the bones of the dragon nipping at her and she runs towards the biggest skull of them all. I love that Balerion is so present throughout Mm. this entire chapter. I think that's awesome. Um, The dragons are surrounding her and I wonder what that means. We don't get to see her often interacting with like Targaryens or with dragons yet. She's very far away from that plot. So I wonder what her first... Real life dragon interaction will be probably at Winterfell. I'm guessing, uh, but interested.
1: It could be even like at Bravos or Pentos or Volantis, right? Like her story could intersect again with Illyrio's very, very much so. I would love for Arya to see Danny before Danny gets to Westeros. I do think it's possible. Like she like mm-hmm. gets to the boat. She takes as part of Danny's fleet or something. Hmm. Interesting. A boat. A boat. Well, about that. Um, about, mm, this <laughs> about this mm-hmm. passage. About um, this passage. So, this line, this language stood out to me of, like, a dagger made of darkness in regards to, I guess, these teeth, but it also makes me think of, like, a sword, like, Dark Sister. Um. Or, well, I do, I do, I guess we see something that's kind of like a dagger made of darkness, literally, in book two, when uh, Renly gets stabby-stabby-stabby rip (laughs) rip she thinks also here that the skulls cannot hurt her uh but then i think we'll find out later on in these books that i don't know maybe skulls can hurt like ned's skull is used to try and inflict some psychic damage on Sansa, but she's like i do not see it and in a literal way uh dead people's skulls can probably maybe come to life unsure unsure of the mechanics of whites later in the story but that seems hurtful she'll definitely have to come back and
0: face some of the whites, whether she knows them or not, too. You know, she'll have oh, to face dead, undead, and... Just like Carson. I mean, she's yeah. already, at this point in publishing, she's already <laughs> faced some of the dead, right? Uh, you think of the Brotherhood. Oh, true. She's there for meeting them, and learning of their secrets, and then, of course, the possibility of her meeting her mom again Yeah. from the undead and dead. I think Arya's gonna have her Arya is, like, the character easiest transported into the verse, you know? Like, I could just throw her in the verse and she would be able to, like, make her way and be a badass in it with, like, all the dead and undead and face-changing and shit. I've been thinking yeah. about it lately. You've got to read those last couple books, because they're wild. There's some shit that I'm like, Arya? Arya could be in those. She's got some cool magic going on there.
1: Well, partially because, not, not because of the trope and so forth, but she is, like, a character that you can kind of throw into a lot of things, right? Yeah, that's true.
0: She's got the assassin, she's got the magic, the face changey. Yeah. Yeah, she's got all these dead and undead surrounding her already and so much sadness and darkness from the beginning of the story is kind of saddling itself around her, so.
1: True. I don't know. So... She leaps over teeth, jaws, launching herself toward a door with an iron ring set in the wood. She opens it far enough to slip in, and then she's in complete darkness, following Stone to her left and trying to remember her new water dancer skills. She keeps walking, and when the wall ends, she hears a distant sound of voices and a flickering light on the wall. She stands at the top of a well, 20 feet across, this is a huge-ass well, plunging into the earth with huge stones set into the walls, circling down like the steps of hell that old man would tell them about (laughs) far below two men stand with a single torch small as a candle speaking in what she can only hear disjointed bits of this was like my audio a few weeks ago found one bastard the rest will come soon a day two days a fortnight and when
0: he learns the truth what will he do
1: The gods alone know. The fools tried to kill his son, and what's worse, they made a mummer's farce of it. He's not a man to put that aside, I warn you. The wolf and lion will soon be at each other's throats, whether we will it or no.
0: Too soon. Too soon. What good is war now? We are not ready. Delay.
1: As well bid me stop time, do you take me for a wizard? (laughs) No less see we are only going to do even more voices
0: i was hoping it was kind of like somewhat italian mm. influenced i don't know you how you have felt been, we don't have to talk about it but
1: you have been learning italian recently
0: i'm on day 210 for duolingo and i'm kicking ass oh, shit. i really am that's a lot yeah, i takes. might make it a fucking year dude Dang. i'm like in it to win it i'm probably. sometimes when i'm walking places like i do some of the speaking exercises because i'm like yeah i could say that shit so i'm pretty good at it I get the accents, you know.
1: I'm in, I'm in there. That's good. I'm proud of you. Yeah.
0: I don't know why I gave that to him, but I'm like, you know, I could be Italian depending on where my mom really was adopted through. We don't know.
1: Yeah. Let's disclose all the this defensive. to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want you all to know where I take my thoughts and my voice inspiration from. So it could be my culture. It might not be. <laughs>
1: So I love that Varys and Illyrio are described as shadows emerging from the bowels of the earth because I think that they are kind of bringing all these people back from the grave, back from the bowels of the earth. And by that I mean the Blackfires, whom we thought we had all defeated long ago, and Aegon, who may or may not have been part of the story at this point, but George was cagey about whether or not Aegon survived. So I don't know what role he was originally going to play, but anyways... Aegon the sixth the actual sixth um anyways and and they are shadows right like it really plays into Varys's riddle of power Again, about shadows on the wall. Uh, they're not so quiet. They're not quiet as a shadow, as Arya might remind herself to be. But their shadows are also described as being as tall as giants. And it comes again to that idea, tying it to Tyrion's story, right? When it comes to all these different players. Uh, Melisandra and shadows, right? Um, you have this also irony, I think, of Varys asking if Illyrio takes him for a wizard, given Varys' distaste of magic and wizardry because of what happened to him. And I'll come back to that in a bit. I love that, and I have something to talk about with
0: Aegon in just a bit, because I feel Mm. like he's a shadow himself on this chapter, right? Knowing what we know. Knowing what we know. True. Obviously, like you mentioned, there's a lot of gardening being done in general, but Mm -hmm. I think that they really stand out in this chapter, those children of Rhaegar's. Yeah. The shadows are almost on Arya, and a moment later, the man with the torch climbs into her sight, and so does his companion. She creeps away, listening more. The torchbearer, a stout man, scarred in a leather half-cape gliding softly, even in boots, who could it be, asks what to do. And the other man, the one with the very Italian accent and a yellow forked beard, says, If one hand dies, why not another? You have danced this dance before. His rings glimmer on his fingers, one of my favorite lines. Honestly, I love this line mm. in Agot. I didn't know that. Uh, that. The colors are very telling. Again, is it gardening or is it foreshadowing? We don't know. Yeah. Rubies, sapphires, yellow tiger eyes, red gold, pale silver, all of, our favorite, all of our favorite colors. And I know we kind of talked about this a lot back in Ned, mm. right? It's been a very long time, but back when we chatted about Ned, we talked a little bit about this chapter in some of our... Uh, Some of our theories and schemes going on here in the background, and that came up, right, with the Blackfires versus the Targaryens with the colored rings.
1: Absolutely. Like, I mean, we have discussed in depth what we think this is about, I think, before already. And I like how Illyrio and his shadows are playing with people's expectations, right? Kind of similar to Lord and what people think that they see based on their bodies, which is kind of what Arya's story is very much about. Because I love this language that ties it to uh, uh, dancing as warfare, especially as it goes together with Arya and Sansa's storylines. But you see Arya being very observant. She notices that Illyrio stands on the balls of his feet like a water dancer does. And she knows this already because she's exposed to what water dancing is like um, and is learning it. So again, playing with what people think that they see. Um, and as you said, right? Talked about this with Ned and some of those John Connington references. Absolutely. And there's
0: something interesting, too. Again, coming back to these
1: moments that
0: are really understated,
1: mm. maybe,
0: from what I remember about this chapter. And I swear I've read this chapter so many fucking times. Mm. So take that grain of salt. But a piece of the ceiling comes down as Arya's listening red and rock like it falls down crashing and it almost makes her cry out and it stands kind of at the entry to the well solid and unbroken and again it's one of those like blink and you miss it paragraphs that this piece of the red keep has tumbled down and broken apart it's very metaphorical in a way i think when it comes to King's Landing and what's happening there as it kind of is breaking apart as Robert's reign is falling apart True. as the Lannister's machinations and Ned showing up and it's kind of like a, a sinking ship, but it feels evocative too, of something that could come back to or something George was playing with. Right. When we think of King's Landing falling apart, brick by motherfucking brick. Mm. Right. And yeah, I do think maybe it's less talked about. People kind of forget like, if only there was a family that was going to King's Landing, who swore to one another that they would tear it apart and tear everything the Lannisters stood for apart. If only that was happening in the Winds of Winter, Eliana, do you think that might happen?
1: I, I don't know. It wasn't in the show, so like I'm not really sure. <sighs>
0: The pussy was, the bad one, okay? You should have known from that. That's an adaptive choice. That's, uh, sorry. George was really oh creating magic off of what those boys did. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, I think like King's Landing is kind of it falling because of the secrets of the realm being fucking puppeted by people like Illyrio, people like Varys, and all these secrets from Cersei and Robert. I think that is a little bit of the foreshadowing happening here in, quote unquote, the cave, which it does feel like that allegorical cave. Right? Mm. It does feel a little bit like Arya is having her first allegorical experience of the cave before Bran, even. But even with Aegon maybe being gardened later and the decision to bring Aegon on later being it, Rainy's and Aegon are the center of this chapter. Like, the very first mm. thing you see is Tom and mercella innocent, still noble, and a little bratty and shitty, but Tom and mercella who are the fucking blood debt that are going to be paid For Aegon and Rhaenys. Let's be real. Those two kids are dead as shit. They're gonna die like fuck. Those two kids are lucky they're still alive by the time Wow rolls around. Like, those two kids are dead, dude. Dead as fuck. They're dying for these sins they didn't commit, that their families committed. And and we're gonna probably get a second sack of King's Landing. Right? I I think about so much that moment when Varys and Pycelle and the Gates and Tywin strolling on in and just fucking butchering people that's that's gonna happen to the Lannisters who have grown so comfortable in this keep
1: yeah and you talk about Tommen and Marcella being kind of punished for I mean they're they're punished for like as you said the sins that they didn't do and the sins that kind of made them right like of yeah. their parents <sighs> incest uh and in the the tying it to the red keep falling down i've always kind of gotten this like follow the house of usher vibes
0: yes i would say usher Atreus yeah
1: not not that usher um i'd well po. you got it bad <laughs> um, let it yeah burn. yeah yeah let it burn. as as usher Baby, might let say it burn. Mm. they do, do have confessions sense. In this
0: storyline, well, these are Cersei's confessions. Yeah,
1: Jamie's got, uh, he's got a lot of things to confess to, Probably, um, anyways. So yeah, follow the House of Usher vibes as well with the King standing coming down. And I will say in defense of Tom and Marcella, yeah, they're kind of bratty. But I've met like kids who are not rich who are that bratty too. Yeah. So it's really they're just kids. They're just kids. They're just kids. <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> they're doing the best they can in the face of everything, in my In the God. face of
1: death, literally. So Arya listens in as they discuss Stannis and Lysa fleeing King's Landing and that the Knight of Flowers is writing Highgarden to bring his sister to court to marry Robert and how Littlefinger and Ned are out of their reach. Ned, specifically, is their problem. And we have this line here that's a little misleading of he has the bastard, he has the book, and soon enough he'll have the truth. Foreshadowing.
0: Every reader reading a Game of Thrones, George right now, (laughs) you have the book. Soon you'll have the truth. The bastard lays right there, but not that one. Um, You have that irony that I think a lot of things, and this this is kind of, you know, I guess subjective to think on, but like a lot of the times when I see things happen in plot to Ned or Ned learn information, I always think that one of the first few thoughts is going to be correlated from John. Mm, right. Yeah. Like protecting John, keeping his identity safe. I think it's safe to say he knows his identity, my god. Like him riding in the rain to the brothel and thinking somehow he didn't think Rhaegar would go to a place like this is like, okay, we got it. Liana had a baby with Rhaegar. Uh I get that now. Well, but
1: not everyone gets that apparently, so
0: but everyone first, reading know. this book is like, oh my god, oh my god, when they read it long enough. Like, John Aaron read it eight times and he's like, I have to start my reread podcast on the lineages of Westeros. John Aaron would have a um, podcast. Oh, it would probably be,
1: I bet it'd be good. such. It'd be fine. Yeah, I have thoughts. Yeah, right. Anyways. It's probably okay. Anyways.
0: It would just. John- it, it's not my cup of tea. Maybe for others, you know? John Maybe Aaron for would others, have a but
1: podcast. podcast.
0: But John Aaron is so consumed when he reads the book in the idea of Robert and what Robert's bastards should look like and what Cersei's children look like. He doesn't get to the next point, which is interesting. So you're saying that if you have a very light-haired parent, And a very dark-haired parent with a very specific look. So specific that it doesn't always trump all. Some looks have persevered in some familial relationships, like Bran, Rickon, Rob, Sansa. But Arya and John have one look. And John has a very specific look. And you're saying once more that dark hair trumps light
1: hair sometimes? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great point that it's tying back to... Doing a lot of lifting for a lot of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, as you said, you know, there's like an irony here, right? Like he has the book, but I'm the bastard, but we don't have the book. Yeah. We t- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mm-hmm. dreamt that I met George last night and I had to refrain. I had to be very polite and not ask about the book. It was so hard. That was my dream. I was like, I'm not going to fuck this up. I'm not going to be an asshole. But I'm on my podcast, An so I will be. Yeah. <laughs> An ass waffle? An ass waffle. Yeah. George
0: isn't editing this. You are.
1: Yeah.
0: God damn it. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> they
0: chat about how Ned's wife has abducted Tyrion, thanks to Littlefinger being a problem, and that it will cause strife between the Lannisters, Tully's, and Starks, and Illyrio, the Italian guy with the mustache, a.k.a. me, asks Varys to delay, and he's like, work your magic longer, and then Varys is like, fine, I can do that, but I'll need more gold and I'll need more birds in exchange. He says 50 birds, to be exact. Illyrio says, the ones you need are hard to find. They're young. To know their letters and lose their tongues? Dot 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 ellipsis.
1: Yeah. Takes us five books to get to that reveal. Um, This entire monologue from Varys about the game being bigger than two players though, like, it's it's quite a long paragraph, but it's a fantastic mini summary of all the pieces at the start of the story, at the start of like a Game of Thrones that are all like that powder keg for Aswaf and all the balls that George starts juggling and I don't know, maybe one day he'll he'll finish and he'll finish catch those balls. <laughs> Who knows?
0: well that's the thing this is like a huge reveal for the reader but not for Arya, right for the mm. reader it's almost like this is like he's giving us a fucking bone he's giving a dog a bone like we're sitting here like wait a second <gasps> so there is something afoot there is something afoot. going on and it is like a very it's a validating feeling reading this chapter because it's like it's not enough to give away the whole plot but by the end you know it's illyrio and varus you're yeah. like wait a second that's illyrio and varus And you know that Ned's not listening to Arya about something, and you're like, something's going to happen and something's not right. And then every chapter after this continues that feeling. So it's such a great tone setter, and it's such a great, like, slight info dump. Not enough to, like, make you too powerful, but enough to make you feel confident before you get the fucking rug pulled out from under you, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it just like keeps ramping up. And it not only that, it hints at, like cuz some of these don't come to fruition this book, right? Like you think that they do mm-hmm. with like one hand dying being dead, but then a lot of it turns out is is has different subtext and doesn't even get like untangled till book 5.
0: Mhm. And I like that you've called out the little birds here because it's interesting now on look back it's right there. Like that tells you Obviously, it's very short, so it doesn't give you all the details, but that tells you who Varys' little birds are right there. They are young, semi-educated children, but not rich enough that they matter enough, right? Not rich enough to stop them from being mutilated and basically kidnapped and Mm. sold into service. Not too educated that they're rich people's kids. It's horrific to remember that they are heading up this trafficking scheme. Like That's Varys' demands. And it's really interesting that we actually learn about it in Arya's plot, considering it revolves so much, her arc revolves so much around some of the lower class, sex work, manual, hard labor, and trafficking, right? Like I'll be at the Hall, or even come feast and dance. It makes me hope that Arya will get to come back and do something to be able to help other children being sold into this service, whether it's this service or other service or others that are living in a way that they don't wish to right that I have no control over their body however they use it
1: and someone's being trafficked in her name right like literally jane pool who was yes who's like in that middle ground of ground of like rich enough but not rich enough right she didn't have the same privileges mm-hmm. that she bullies aria because she envies her for
0: yes exactly that's 100 percent it i think that's such an important point too like Jane is a stupid preteen teen girl that is so jealous of yeah. everything Arya has.
1: Yes, absolutely. It doesn't make like bullying Arya right, but it it, it gives context yeah. to like what what she wanted. Um mm-hmm. and then how unfortunately the story gives it to her in the worst way. George's favorite thing. Yeah, the true Monkey Paw. Mm-hmm. And also you know regarding that idea of like slavery and and servitude and children being slaves, it, it makes me think again of what we were saying about Melisandre uh, during mm. that Melisandre chapter of like how she sees other people as pawns in this bigger game, I guess, between Rolore and the Great Other, because not because like she thinks she's above other people, but because she sees herself as a pawn in the whole scheme of things as well, right? And I think that maybe varies. Maybe Illyria. I don't really know. We don't have enough of like Illyria's history to say this about him. But like, definitely for various pro- probably like he maybe sees himself as able to use these people because he was used in that way. He's just repeating the cycles of what was done to him, right? Like he may say that he hates wizards because of what was done to him. He hates magic because of the mutilation he endured. But he's become that same wizard, that sorcerer. He keeps saying it over and over again. Illyria keeps saying it. Right? He's the one now cutting off children's parts to work his sorcery. His sorcery might not be literal magic, but it is seen by some people as such, right? He's he's destroying children, trafficking them for knowledge, same as that wizard who threw his genitals into the fire.
0: Yeah, he's hurting others the way he was hurt, and not unlike Melisandre, right, in that seeking of that higher purpose with what she's endured, and that she's not exactly hesitant to throw children under that bus.
1: (laughs) It's just normalized Um, for them, right? They don't think anything of it. They're like, this is the way the fucking world is, duh. Mm -hmm.
0: You have that old wave of people, and then you have the new wave of people, which I hope Arya gets to help front, right, of these children that are like, that's not the way the world should work. Yeah. And we can change it incrementally, maybe. That's the best we can do. Yeah. Once their voices fade... Arya follows the smoking light of the torch, keeping on straight, and finds herself at the top of deep, steep, narrow stairs that go on for what seems like miles. Eventually, she's knee-deep in foul-smelling water. She wishes she was Syrio, so she could dance upon the water, and she pretends Nymeria is paddling alongside with her. When she emerges, it's night, and she stinks very horribly, so she drops her soiled clothing in the riverbank, and she tries to clean herself in the water. Mm. I love that she's taking a bath in the trident, uh, a baptism of her own here. Mm. A indeed, too, right? They return to the water.
1: Ooh, yes, definitely. Having a different person upon it. Well, yeah. kind of. Um, kind of. Well, bit by bit. Miles from the castle. She looks up and sees a red keep high up on a hill. Her clothes are almost dry when she gets back to the gatehouse and the gold cloak's keeping guards near at her telling her, uh, we don't have any kitchen scraps for you, boy, and offers a clot in the ear and she tells them that, um, excuse me, do you know who I am? My father is the hand of the king and they laugh and she's like, I don't think that my father, the inventor of Winterfell, toaster whatever, yeah, toaster <laughs> would toaster strudel, appreciate this. Um, one of them swings his fist at her casually, but she swings back untouched tells them that she's Arya Stark of Winterfell and go fetch Jory or Vayon from the Tower of the Hand thrusting her hands on her hips and asks them if they need a clout in the ear to hear her. Dang.
0: Yeah, get them. Okay, little miss nobility. Okay,
1: okay, little okay. miss class conscience. You, yeah, she's right. like,
0: but also I'm of Winterfell, so. <laughs> I love that though. I like she like because- has
1: her hands on her hips as well,
0: just like Arya. There's a little Arya in me after all. No, I'm like Uh that. I used to hang out at my dad's work like when I was younger, I remember. And he he managed a tire store and he had like 10 to 15 employees that were all like young guys, right? So I would go in there real macho myself and just boss everyone around all the time when I was there. I'd make them, you know, like spin me in the chair or give me parts of their lunch or entertain me. I was very bossy. And that's kind of how this reads. So I really appreciate it. I love you, Arya. Yeah. (laughs) Aw, very brat, very brat. Central, I get that brats. That's a fellow brat.
1: Dolls, yes, yeah, different kind of brat, not
0: that, not that kind.
1: Yeah,
0: Harwin and Fat Tom march her into her father, who sends them off with thanks, sternly telling her, "I had half my guard looking for you, young lady, and Septimordane was beside herself." maybe with a hangover, uh, with fear, praying for her return in the Sept currently, which I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to do much morning. He tells her she's never to go beyond the castle gates without his leave. And she's like, I didn't. I was in the dungeons and men were talking about killing you and that you have a book and a bastard. And that if one hand can die, why not a second? Which I'm like, that should put some alarm bells in your head. Uh, and she points at the book and she's like, is that the book? And she's like, John's the bastard, I bet. Which I'm like, oh my god! Ned right now must be shaking in his seat, shitting his pants. He's like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. Uh, which, the irony being, yeah, John is the bastard everyone should be talking about, but no one knows it. And Arya's like, John's the bastard. <laughs> yes and. and.
1: And Ned's like, no, no, not John. Who's John? I don't know anyone. Not you. Who's John? It's like, Never um,
0: met him. Ted... Ted Danson, Michael in the Good Place, when he's like, Jason? Jason
1: figured it out? Ah. Uh. Uh, I have to rewatch that show one day. I haven't rewatched it yet. So much. We should I miss it? Yeah, I no. rewatched it
0: once. It's good. It holds up.
1: Yeah. Uh. Well, uh, you know, also in regards to, like, Ar- we were talking about Arya Stark dying, but not you were. entirely. You but kinda. Just the identity. Yeah. Last last chapter. Um, kinda like how death is being spoken about here, right? They're like one hand can die, and I'm like, Oh ho ho, but John Connington isn't really dead. Kind of like in reputation name. They said he's dead, but he's really not. Um and that was I guess their plan for, for Ned, but turns out Ned's actually dead, Rip. Okay. Well what do you think your whole end game here is, Eliana?
0: Can you be fucking bullying? I don't Holy
1: know. <laughs> I had no end game. Other than yeah, point. hurt people.
0: Yeah, great points. They're just mean points, yeah. is all I was gonna
1: say. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, that's a great point about John Kahn, because he is, like, unsaid, and A, garden, but B, like, ha 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 ha. Yeah, John Kahn, the long con. Yeah,
1: I think he started being garden, what, book three, probably. That's
0: yeah, when his name but you know, and maybe this comes from not having a new book, but like, maybe george is just that
1: good i think he would have dropped hints earlier i think he had the idea of him but it was like he was like "Mm, Mm -hmm. coming up with that name is for like that's a future george problem and unfortunately a lot of things are apparently he thought future george problems
0: Well, I also think by 2015, he kind of had a more clear picture of what he wanted to expand when it came to, like, the world of ice and fire and some of the story, especially in the rebellion that he had started crafting out more and, like, actually putting into place. (laughs) Um, And the Dunkin' Egg stories, too, kind of have a little bit of those echoes. So I think, like, as he started this outer world building, he started understanding what he wanted to tell in that story more and more. And so, I don't know. I think it definitely could have been swimming in there. Yeah. Um, so Arya tells Ned, one of these men was fat with rings and a forked yellow beard, and the other was in chain mail and a steel cap. And she recaps the conversation that they can't keep juggling. The wolf and the lion will eat each other. It's a mummer's farce. Uh, unfortunately, not all of it really makes sense to her, but she tries her best remembering them saying the princess was with child and one of them was a wizard, but not like old Nan's stories she declares and she's like i was chasing cats and then i was there and ned's like between the cats the wizard the monsters you had quite an adventure little lady and he's like it seems you saw mummers who are in town for my tourney dozens of them and maybe the king asked for a private show well he's gonna get a private show that's for sure uh Ned chastises her for following people and spying on them and climbing in windows, and he criticizes the scars and scratches on her arm and says he wants a word with Serio Pharrell, a stern word, but they're interrupted by Desmond, who announces that a black brother is here to speak with them, Yorin. I like that classic trope that the adults are not listening to the kids when important information is coming by, especially as Warren pointed out in comparison to the last chapter where Ned was very patient and understanding and kind of played the dad card. He doesn't always play it, but here he's very much playing the Lord. And there's a great irony in this chapter versus Sansa's next chapter where Ned listens to Sansa. On a lark, on accident. He's like what huh. accident? from the mouth yeah. of babes when Sansa's like yelling about how Joffrey's nothing mm. like Robert. He refuses to see it because he's so blind, probably from his own situation with John. Right? He's so he's blinded by John the about. Bastard. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot on his mind. But that he listens to Sansa about Joffrey and the king and bastards versus Arya here yelling about a bastard in the book.
1: Yeah, and, and death. <laughs> And I guess he is trying to play the dad card, but like, as us pointed out, he's not really giving it weight. He's, he's trying to give meaning because sometimes I think adults, children sometimes look to adults to explain the world, right? Give it shape, meaning. <laughs> um, I do like that Arya insists that what she's telling Ned, she's like, no, it's not like old Nan stories because the language of it does sound like a fairy tale, right? And wizards, mummers, wolves, and lions, animals talking animals going to war i don't know but it's not it's not one of those fairy tales or stories it's not like the songs as we're told throughout a song of ice and fire right like this is now the story of their lives it's real life for them not not real life these characters are fake they will not be offended by the voices and and it, it is like the story it's like Arya and the other children are learning right even if it's dressed still mm-hmm. in the language and symbolism of it which is why that is so confused um but yeah, Ned, he's like same as not listening to the children. He's not listening to the symbols, and he just doesn't like doing that in general. As we see at the beginning of this very book, where he's like, I don't know, what could it mean when Catelyn's like, uh, I think that's an omen? When there's a stag horn through the direwolf's neck. I don't know. What do you fucking think it means, Ned? I mean, to be fair, signs and importance are what
0: his sister and her lover followed, so fair,
1: true, true, true.
0: Maybe I would want to believe in the simple things, too, after all that, man.
1: Do you think he after knew? After seeing
0: your whole family die because of that?
1: that about Rhaegar? I feel like that was, like, Rhaegar's dark secret. I think he knew to an extent. He's he was a doomsday maybe, prepper. Maybe, I don't
0: know, I think, yeah, I think, like, he under- Yeah, he's a fetal doomsday prepper, <laughs> yeah. that, like, Lyanna, I think he knew that she thought she was doing it for a greater purpose, but I mean, what girl doesn't think that when she offers her womb up to a guy's cock, to be fair- But we all think it's for a greater purpose, but it's not. It's for, like, a guy's cock, so. It's not. I've been watching a lot of Sex in the City, and it's Mm -hmm. all just for cock? Yeah. There's no higher purpose. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Uh, Chloe quickly surpassed me in uh, Sex in the City. (laughs) This is our first watch, though, for both of us. Very exciting. Very exciting.
0: I'm ready. I'm ready for the movies. I'm ready for... And just like that. And just like that. And just like that. Aria.
1: And just like that, Joran enters, <laughs> going to Ned and to Arya, saying to Eddard, Oh, this must be your son. He has your look.
0: <laughs> but, but casually, also another R plus L equals J clue coming off of what we just discussed there with the bastard in the book. Like, they are heavy handed in this chapter, and I yeah. don't know that I necessarily noticed it until this read, especially because some of those first Brand chapters are so, and John chapters are so chock full of these, and Ned. Uh, yeah. These moments and hints towards R plus L equals J, but even Arya has them in these chapters pretty strongly. After last chapter, in this chapter,
1: yeah, I mean that black bastard, real king of this castle. Hell, even next
0: chapter, I would argue, we don't know. What if there is something of that? I'm sure Lyanna had to run for her life at some point.
1: Yeah, um, there's what was that Lady Gwyn's theory? The uh, someone's theory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The best essay ever, that Lady Gwyn's essay about. Yep, was like the end at the crossroads. Yeah yep and i believe that like i
0: actually unfortunately it's just been so long that i take that as canon so until there's a book to disprove my head canon yeah yeah c-a-n-o-n
1: so aria is like i'm a girl do you also know my brothers and there's this like cute cute little exchange
0: oh my god i love this exchange so much it's literally so cute She's like, do you know my brothers, Rob and Bran? They're at Winterfell, and Jon's on the wall. Jon Snow, he's in the Night's Watch, too. You must know him. He has a or wolf, a white one with red eyes. Is Jon a ranger yet? I'm Arya, Arya Stark. And then she's like, when you ride back to the wall, could you bring Jon a letter if I wrote one? Aww. Oh, my baby girl. It's Aww. very sweet. No, it's very sweet. It's, um, she misses them. I wish they were there, too, just for her. But I'm glad they're not, because they'd probably further get slaughtered, so.
1: Yeah. Well, Ned is like, Em my daughter forgets that she's a lady with courtesies and then asks if Benjen sent him. Joran says he was sent by old Mormont to find more men for the wall, hoping to seek the king's help when he holds court, hoping to take some of the folks in the dungeons north to the wall and give them new jobs. But Jorin says Ben Stark is definitely why they're talking. There's a line of, his blood ran black, made him my brother as much as yours. It's for his sake I'm come.
0: I thought that was interesting that Benjen has that much influence and people respect him that much. And we learned that when it comes to Corrin, too, to Corrin Halfhand, and that Benjen really made his own home and family there. Um, But Jorin says he had left the Others behind, which I'm like, "Ah!" Uh, what does it mean?
1: uh, The Others. The Others, Ned. The Others. Ned Ned is like, what do you mean, the Others? And I'm like, what do you mean, the Others? Um, Jorin says- Ned.
0: So funny. Go on. You're good. Sorry.
1: Yoren <laughs> says that sellswords and free riders at the inn had ridden with them, but some made for King's Landing. Some went for casterly Rock, because Tywin would have gotten word by now. And that's like, w- which words are you talking about? But Yoren eyes Arya and says, "It's better left in private." So Ned sends Arya to bed and is worried that something's happened to John that something's happened to John or to Uncle Benjamin, but Joran says yeah. it isn't them who concerns him. And Arya is taken off by Desmond, wishes that it was Fat Tom instead so she could eavesdrop some more, but Desmond isn't that easily tricked. So I'm like, it really is like Fat <laughs> Tom did like understand that she was in that room. He's just a big softie doing nice things for Arya, U.
0: And she doesn't get that. That's so cute. She's like, I yeah. wish Desmond was stupider, like fat Tom. It's like, no, sweetie.
1: That Tom's just a sweetie, Aww. yeah.
0: Yeah, and they're all gonna die, but oh, before that, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> before that, we have a conversation about what happens if possibly they might die. Uh,
1: <laughs> How many guards does my father have? She asked him as they descended to her bedchamber. Here at King's Landing, fifty. You wouldn't let anyone kill him, would you?
0: <laughs> no fear on that count, little lady. Lord Edard's guarded night and day. He'll come to
1: no harm. The Lannisters have more than fifty men.
0: So they do, but every Northerner is worth ten of these Southern swords, so you can sleep easy.
1: What if a wizard was sent to kill him?
0: Well, as to that, Desmond replied, drawing his long sword, wizards die the same as other men once you cut their heads off. Mm. Ooh, that kind of comes back to Echo in Storm. Right or in trial, right? Actually, uh, is that clash storm clash? When she asks the question of, "Could you bring a man's yeah. back?" You know, just yeah, this back. head. But Aww. also, what if Arya cut Euron's head off? I
1: That'd don't think she will. But what if she did? What if she did? That'd be really interesting. Why not?
0: Who cares? Why not?
1: I, Let her. Yeah, I don't know. I see him like I don't know being burned up from the inside somehow.
0: I like that too. No, I like that, and I like I like the. Ah, uh, Poor Quintin, the poorest. Yeah, of that's Quintins. probably why. His concept is that uh, Bran will fry him internally while Danny fries him externally.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was thinking. I don't
0: know if I think both, but I like it. I like it.
1: Like Ang and Ozai. Yeah, but also Precisely. with fire. Um, yeah, I think it's funny that you're talking about you know cutting Euron's head off, right? Him as a wizard, because I'm like. Oh, Euron! What he's doing instead is, he has got a bunch of wizards and he's cutting off their other body parts, not Blech. their heads.
0: Mmm, because the head is like the stem of the magic.
1: Maybe I I don't know why I thought about shrimps and then you suck out the juices of the head, but mm. um, that's I'm I think I'm hungry. I think that's where the sausage is made. Is really the the
0: long and short of it is that like your brain is where the ma I mean, it is right, like because yeah. your heart can't think. Your brain is the only thing that can think magic requires intentional thought. So you need your head, but you can live without your arms or your legs.
1: Yeah. You can live and without it, a lot
0: of your organs. And my
1: understanding is also with the whites, right? Like, George seems to imply, especially in later interviews, mm-hmm. that blood's not pumping. So, like, do you even really need the heart aspect?
0: Well, and that's where you have the idea of Rob and John, right, skin changing or warging into their wolves or to other animals, or John surviving through his wolf, right? Like, you don't- your consciousness can live elsewhere.
1: Yeah, in like a tree or and something. And bide. Yeah.
0: hmm You could bide your- yeah, Bran, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could bide your fucking time if you had to.
1: Yep. Hmm. A lot Ooh, of stuff I feel like we just got somewhere. That was- here. yeah.
0: Yeah, I you can't... got me there, Eliana. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I like doing voices. I'm really bad at accents. I just want to throw that out there.
0: Are you feeling insecure at my bad accent?
1: I was. I was really impressed, and I was like, "I'm sorry, I can't like, I can't be a good scene partner here."
0: It's okay, Sally Reed. I've got you. I can only do like four accents, and they're not that good. So I'm not
1: very good at them,
0: but I can do Louise Belcher. I can do a <laughs> Scottish. I can do. Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. And I can do whatever the old man voices I do are. Or the older, like the booming, you know, the... I don't know. Whatever those are. That's about it. That's about it.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I can do the voices, but I enjoy attempting. And that's all that matters because it's my podcast. The journey. Yeah, Yeah, the journey. And your podcast. And if you want to keep up with those, you can find us on social media. At uh, Twitter slash X... Uh unsure, <laughs> unsure. Uh we're still Girls Gone Canon though, C-A-N-O-N, but somewhere you can definitely find us also now is on Blue Sky. Ho ho ho. Also Girls yeah. Gone Canon. And you can also send yeah. us some emails at girlsgone at gmail dot com.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've had a great time with you you all tonight. Uh you know, all you Jaria lovers, you Jaria shippers at home, thanks for listening. Just putting it in everything so you oh can't get rid of all of it. But thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we're going to roll out and let you find out where to find us and more about our Patreon with this word from our sponsors, our patrons. Thanks again to our friends for chatting about where to find us. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining
1: the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shitposting channel, Fashion Hour, There are
0: multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it. As always, I've been one of your hosts, Chloe.
1: And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. See you next week. Are you ready? Kids? Are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> oh, I can hear you. Can <laughs> quiet hear you. as a shadow. <sighs> the shadows
0: were not very quiet. No, not at all. Not at all. Kind of stabby, too. True, huh. true. All right. Mm. Bye. Bye.